sin in his love, and in the glory land Soon I shall see him in that home above, for I'm in the glory pathway. I'm in the glory land, glory land way. I'm in the glory land, glory pathway. Heaven is nearer and the way grows with clearer, for I'm in the glory There you are, you're at the counter, and you've just ordered that grande, cappuccino, wet, and you're ready to take that and drink it and enjoy it. But before you do, you decide to give the lady at the counter bucks, and, and you have this transaction, and you have this agreement. She's going to give you that cappuccino, and you're going to give her six bucks. But you don't have a relationship, not a personal relationship. You've had an exchange of goods and services, but you don't really know each other, and you don't really care about each other. In fact, if she started telling you a whole lot of stuff about her life, you'd think, wait a minute, that's too much. Oh, no, I'm not interested in that. Just give me my coffee, lady. Because that's not community. That's a business transaction. There might be a give and take, and there might, might be an exchange of, uh, of money and, and goods and services, but that's a business transaction. Now, you might be out at the Little League Park, where your little one is playing baseball or football or soccer or, or, or something else, and, and somebody says, hey, would you mind keeping score? Or would you mind coming out and helping us uh, mold the lawn? And, and would you help us keep up with the grounds? And you say, yeah, I'll do that, because there you have a little bit of investment. That's where your kid plays ball. You want to make sure it looks nice. You want to make sure it's, it's in good condition. That's more of a community. But when we think about this idea of community that we've been exploring over the last couple of weeks, one of the ideas or characteristics of community is the idea of a shared responsibility. There is a contribution that members of the community give to each other. Maybe not all at the same level, or maybe not all at the same time, but there's an understanding we are all contributing to this together. And that's community. Does the church have that characteristic? Is the church a community when we think about it in those terms? It certainly should be. In fact, the church ought to be the most caring, most giving community that we can think of. This morning, as we continue this idea of thinking of the church as a community, uh, we want to think about, uh, first of all, the idea that we come from a diversity to be one. Secondly, that there is a sharing that takes place within this community. And I want us to conclude this morning by thinking about our shared responsibility as a church today. So let's start this morning by thinking about this idea of from diversity to oneness. And to do that, we want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, 
Now, as you're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, keep in mind that Paul's writing in a context where there's been quite a bit of division, quite a bit of conflict surrounding the idea that different members of the church there in Corinth have different spiritual gifts. Some of them have the ability to speak in languages they had not studied before. Some of them have the ability to prophesy. Some of them have the ability to do different things. And they're kind of getting at each other a little bit because they, in their minds, they rank those spiritual gifts in, in, in a particular order. Paul says, no, we're all in this together. And it's within this context that I want us to notice this idea of the, from diversity to oneness. Notice what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. For even as the body is one, yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink one Spirit. So Paul begins here by saying, look, Corinthian church, when you look at yourselves, you're going to find out that, 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 hey, there are some people in the church, they have Greek ethnicity. They have a Greek background. Uh, but then there are folks in this church uh, that have a Jewish background. And it's easy for us just to pass those things off. But man, that was a big uh, contrast in lifestyles. That was a big contrast in, in how you grew up. That was a big contrast in, in your community that you're familiar with because Jews kind of did their own thing and they had their own little blocks of people and, and the Greeks, well, it was a Greek city, so they're all over the place. But all of a sudden, Paul says, no, we're together. And then he says, some of you were slaves or maybe even are slaves, as Paul writes this. And some of you are free. Can you imagine that context where some of the people that you're worshiping with are treated as property by somebody else? And here you are, you have your freedom, you can do whatever you want, go wherever you want. It's probably, quite frankly, lopsided the other way. The slavery was such a common thing in the Greek world. And here these folks are, and Paul says, we have such a diversity of background, and yet God makes us in the church be one. We ought to have affinity for one another. He says, get rid of the division in this church because we were all baptized by one spirit, into Christ, into one body. There shouldn't be any of this division going on, Paul says. We're from a diversity to oneness. He continues, verse 14, and he uses this analogy of the body. Notice this, verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he has desired. If they were all one body, where would the body be? Or if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. 
pause there for a second. And, and notice what Paul is saying here. First of all, we have this analogy of the body. Now remember, again, the context overall is this idea of people with different gifts in the church there at Corinth. And, and apparently there was conflict between them. And Paul says, look, you're all one body. You can't all have the gift of prophecy. This is the point. You can't all have the gift to speak in languages that you hadn't studied before. Now, now you kind of need. But the body wouldn't be healthy if everyone had the same function, if everyone had the same task. And he uses this analogy of the body, the hand, the toe, the head, the eye, the ear, to say the body is healthy when it's composed of all these parts and all these parts are working together to do what the body needs to do. And that's community. It's recognizing the fact that all of these different folks with different capabilities, with different backgrounds, uh, with, 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 with different skills, all come together to do the work together. We're contributing together. And sometimes we look at the presentable parts and we say, oh, that is so good, right? And then we look at the less honorable parts and we say, oh, man, put that thing in a shoe, right? I mean, none of us goes around saying, hey, would you like to see my big, my big toe today? I've got the best big toe you've ever seen. We don't do that, right? That would be strange or weird. Uh, we just kind of shove that dude down there in the, in the shoe and, and, you know, we don't look at that part. But did you notice carefully what Paul says here? Verse 22. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And the members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Do you realize what Paul just did there? He said sometimes it's important for us uh, to take those individuals that the world would say, oh, that's the weakest member. You better hide that one. Paul says, no, as a body, as a community, as a church, we take that person and we honor them. We give on them abundant honor. The person that already has a, a bunch of honor doesn't need more honor. Preachers struggle with that, right? Because we've got big egos. We like to stand up in front of people and talk and do all those things. You don't need to give the preacher any more honor. You find the individual that, as the world would rate things, is, is less honorable. And you put honor on that person. Everyone, Paul says, is necessary. The weaker part is necessary. So it's okay to go out and have your toes polished and shined up and all that kind of good stuff, right? None of the men are going to do that. But ladies, if you want to do that, I guess that's fine, right? So Paul says they're all necessary. Now let's come back to verse 25 where we left off. Let's start in verse 24, rather. He says, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacks. See, God's giving that honor to that one that everyone else says, eh, not so necessary, not so important. God says, yes, he is. Or yes, she is. Verse 25. And the reason he does this, verse 25, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members that may have the same care for one 
another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So Paul says, look, guys, in this church at Corinth, with all these deals, all these different things going on, everyone contributes. And we share all of that together. But when it comes down to it, he comes down in verse 25, and he says all of this is the case so that members may have the same care for one another. Because in a community, you contribute together. You put in what you're able to put in, and you're going to get something out too. But you see, there's a relationship there. You care for one another, as we talked about last week. When I go to Starbucks, I don't really care about the person at the counter. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not saying you don't be nice to the person. You're not, I'm not saying you don't be polite to the person. But you don't really have a relationship with that person. It's a business transaction. It's not a community. But when you're the church, we ought to be a community. We ought to care for each other. We all contribute together. And so the first part of this idea of the church being a community is recognizing this diversity this diversity of skill, this diversity of background, this diversity of whatever you want it to be, but we all come together to be one and act as one and work as one and contribute as one. And so that leads us to the idea of sharing. And there's a number of ways that we share. First of all, we share in the work. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Remember in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul's also talking about an idea of oneness in the beginning of the chapter. And in verse 11, he starts to introduce the idea that there are different roles in the church. And notice what he says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. I think that's a reference to elders. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Paul really likes that analogy of the body. Verse 13, he says, Until we all attain to a unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer tossed like children here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. And then notice verse 16. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every, proper, every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body to the building up of itself in love. In other words, we all contribute. We all share together. And one of the things that we share is the work. That doesn't mean that we all work in the same way. It doesn't mean that we all do the same types of work. But we recognize the fact that, hey, this person over here has this skill for doing this. We have a need for this work to be done. Let's put that guy in there. And he can work. We have a need over here, and here's, here's a, a lady of the congregation that can do this. We ought to put her in there, and she can work. And Paul says when we do that, and everyone is working together, the church matures in its knowledge, in its faith, and the body of Christ will be built up. Now, what's interesting about this is it's a body that never stops growing. Because as we continue to work, you have more and more members coming into the body. And they continue to mature. 
See, the beauty of it is you might have someone that's been a Christian for 50, 60 years, and they are rock solid on Scripture, and, and, and they have a great faith, and they lived out that faith, and they've lived out that Scripture. And then somebody new comes along, and they're baptized and become a Christian. They have very little faith. They have very little knowledge. And those two work side by side. And they continue to grow and work together as the body of Christ. This is the one body that never stops growing. You know, as you reach the age of 18, you start to die. Isn't that a nice thought? Your body starts to decline. Some of us decline faster than others, I suppose. Right? Uh, but you see someone that, 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 you know, like Devonna's grandfather, who's 99 years old. Not very many people can go to the hospital with a heart attack and that sort of thing and then come back right away. But apparently he can, right? <laughs> All right? But we understand, hey, that person who's 99, they can't do the same things that they did when they were 29 or 18 because our body starts to decline. But with the body of Christ, it never declines. Because if we're all working, we're constantly growing new members. We're constantly uh, growing together as the body of Christ. And so Paul says the first thing that we share as a community is the work. We are all working together for the building up of the body of Christ. And then we share life. Let's go back to Romans chapter 12 where we were last Sunday. And just take a peek one more time at Romans 12, verses 15 and 16. Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. You see, as Christians, we are invested in each other's lives. We do rejoice when something good happens to a brother or a sister. We rejoice with them. We're happy with them. It may not be happening to us personally, but we're happy because something good happened for this. And at the same time, when somebody's going through a struggle and they're weeping, they're crying, they're mourning, things are diff difficult in their life, we're right there with them because we're concerned about them. And he reminds us, don't be haughty. Don't think you're too good for anything. Associate with the lowly. Associate with those people that are struggling or at a lower place by what the world says but not what God says. You go back and you think about what Paul says to those church, that church of Corinthians. Hey, some of you are free. Some of you are slaves. Associate. Don't think you're too good. Associate with them. And so this is an aspect of community. We do things together. We contribute because we share with each other, but we're concerned for each other. Good, honest concern. How are you doing? What's going on in your life? It shouldn't just be a phrase that we say when we come into the building, but it ought to be something that we, that we really mean. What's really going on with you? Right? How can I help? What are your concerns? And so Paul says we share life with each other. We share our work with each other. But then we also share our needs with one another. And we share with those in need. Look at Galatians chapter 6. Notice what Paul says about what we ought to do as a church. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. He says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. 
So as Christians, we ought to carry around this idea, this mantra in our minds that I'm always looking to do good. I'm always looking to do good. And if I have an opportunity to do good, I'm going to do it. And, and sometimes that, that, that goodness that I do, that help I provide someone, is, is someone that's not a member of the church. I ought to especially be mindful of those in the church that need help. And if I have the opportunity to help them or do good for them, I do it. Right? And some of you have heard my story before about when I was like a 20-year-old kid. And me and my buddy were driving across state in Washington, right, going from the east side to the west side. And I had my dad's 69 Ford Torino, 390 cubic inches. And I can tell you, I probably wasn't doing the speed limit, right? But we were just flying down the road. And all of a sudden, that thing started to shake. Flames started shooting out of the back of the car. And it just died right there. Right? Now, I didn't know there were flames coming out of the back of the car, but the car that stopped behind me said, what do you do? There's flames coming out from behind your car. My friend just went inside, got me a Coke, and brought it back. Not a big deal at all, right? But he knew we were sitting on the side of the road, and I just messed up my dad's car. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And that was the best thing right then. That was doing good. Doing good doesn't necessarily have to mean something major, but we look out for each other. We look out for each other. And we do good for each other. Why? Because we're a community. And that's what the church ought to be. That's what the church is. So let's think about this for a second. Think about our shared responsibility today. Think about our sharing together as a church. First of all, obviously, we need to contribute to the work. All of us has a, a, a role to play in the church. And one thing I'd say about this body is, man, you guys are involved and, and excited, and we're working together. We have fellowships. You guys are all here. You all contribute. Remember Italian lunch, right? But when we go and do outreach in the community, and we go to Heritage Fest, or we go to some of the other things that we participate in as a church, you guys are all there. And we need to continue that. We're a young congregation, a, a fairly new church plan, so we're excited. We need to continue that enthusiasm, continue that work. Secondly, we need to have love. We all love each other here. We have a good rapport with one another. We look out for each other. And again, we need to continue that. As we have new faces that come into our, our family here at the Binbrook Church, we continue to have that love for each and every one of them. We need to be welcoming folks and to let them see that love. You know, there are folks that are looking for something because they've had hurt and pain and challenge and struggle. And the next person that comes to the door, you don't know if that's where they're coming from or if they're just here because they're new to town and they're looking for a new place to worship. But regardless, we give them that love because it's God's love. So we share, we contribute in the work together, we have love for one another. And then we're just kind. To one another. You know, love and kindness are two different things, right? You can have love for someone and be concerned for them and maybe do good for them. But kindness is that step that just says, you know what, I, you didn't ask for this. I, I just want to be nice to you. I just want to be kind to you. And you do something out of kindness for someone. You open the door for someone. You help someone out. And I, I guess there's overlap there between love and kindness. But kindness is the idea that of going out of my way, practicing something, not respect, expecting anything in return. And that's really a key part of this idea of community. 
I do something good for you. I do something kind of kindness for you. Not expecting that you're going to turn right around and do something in kindness back. Although you might. But I might do something kind for you one day. You might do something kind for Ozzy the next day. You might, Ozzy will do something kind for somebody else a later day. But see, that's how community works. And community grows because of that. Folks, our spiritual lives should not be a business transaction. The things that we do as a church ought not be a transaction that we just do, just like when we go to Starbucks or Walmart or, or Chicken Express or wherever you like to go. Should be on the board. Right? Should be on the board. Sometimes all the time. But wherever you go, it shouldn't just be a business transaction. It needs to be a community. It needs to be a place of sharing. It needs to be a place of going from diversity to oneness. It ought to be a place of love. It ought to be a place of kindness. If that's what you're looking for, if you can find the kindness, the love that you're looking for in the person of Jesus who gave his life so that you can have eternal life, and you can be united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection, and in his eternal life by being united with him in baptism. If that's what you need to do this morning, won't you come? Let's gather and stand and sing. Wash away my sins.